0: In the year 2148, explorers on Mars discovered the remains of an ancient spacefaring civilization. In the decades that followed, these mysterious artifacts revealed startling new technologies, enabling travel to the furthest stars. We're talking about Mass Effect. Welcome to 3VO! What's up, everyone? Welcome to 3VO, where we're all on the same team. My name is Jordan, and today we're going to be talking about Mass Effect. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to my co-host, Brendan Hampton. Hey, Brendan, everybody. how are you doing today, sir? Hey,
1: Good. Hey, everybody. My name is Brendan. I'm one of your hosts as well.
0: Yeah. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right. You know, hanging in there. <laughs> hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, quarantine's been fun. This is a great time to start a podcast, I feel like. I, you know, um... Technology for recording and meeting across large distances has never been better. It was kind of like it was destined to happen this way, especially mm-hmm. considering that all of 2019, we have been talking about doing something like this. Yes, absolutely. So I feel like this was the universe forcing us to make it happen. <laughs> Sorry the rest of you had to suffer.
1: <laughs> I, you know... Um, if if this is what it takes to get our podcast going then i don't think it was worth it i still don't think it was worth
0: it I'm i don't gonna, think so I either think honestly that. just like i would rather have um, not had the podcast i wouldn't have, i, really I, I would have, have passed in the last like four years yeah but hey we're doing it anyway. but you know we're here now so as i said we're gonna be talking we're gonna be starting off our mass effect series we're gonna be talking about the first mass effect game um but before we get into that Uh, Just some house cleaning stuff, but we're still in the main menu here. Uh, Brendan, are there any games you're playing right now besides Mass Effect? Yeah,
1: um, I've actually uh, recently got the uh, Mario 3D All-Stars that just dropped the Nintendo Switch. So I've been walking down memory lane playing Super Mario Galaxy um, and having just a grand old time.
0: (laughs) I only played Mario Mario Galaxy for a little bit, Uh, so I'm slightly familiar. I know mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. My little brother loves it to death, and a lot of people (laughs) are in love with it. It's a really good one. How about you? What have you been playing? I, since we are about to head into October, and it's the, about to become the holiday of spoops, I redownloaded one of my favorite horror games. I redownloaded the first Outlast game. Mm, just classic. because it's, oh God, it's so good. It's so much fun to play. And it's still, it still scares the living hell out of me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I
1: yeah. I still need to actually play through the entire thing. <laughs>
0: It's one that took me literally a full year to sit down and play through. Because every time I picked it up, I would just go, Nope, nope, we're not doing this today. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Totally fair. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think it's time we really got started. Let's head into our main quest and let's go and start talking about Mass Effect. Mass Effect is a third person RPG based around the character Commander Shepard and his fight to save the galaxy from an ancient race of inorganics known as the Reapers. So, before we jump into how much we love, 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 love this game, I think it's only fair to our audience that, in full clarity, we mm. mention, at least briefly mention, that we know that this game has some glaring. In it yeah, absolutely
1: uh this game came out a long time ago and the gameplay is not perfect there are large chunks of missions where you are raging at the vehicle that you're driving um but it doesn't take away like it doesn't take away from it being a beautiful wonderful game
0: yeah if, if we had to bullet point some of the issues with it it <laughs> is definitely um The actual shooting aspect, which is a problem because it's a third-person shooter. Uh, Um, (laughs) Yeah, Driving the Mako, which was designed by somebody who didn't have a basic concept of how cars on Earth worked. (laughs) And then just kind of the fact that sometimes during the cinematics, if we want to call them that, character animations and facial expressions just kind of seem to do whatever they want, depending (laughs) on the emotion of the scene. It was definitely a lawless place for graphics. It really, really was. However, despite all of those things that would normally, at least for me personally, because the way that you and I talk about games, Brendan, personally, um, all those things would normally completely ruin a game for me. For some reason with Mass Effect, I still am so wonderfully invested in it. And I think it is because of the story and the characters involved. Absolutely. That I just can't help but overlook all the the flaws and just all go, I love this game.
1: Absolutely. I mean since since the format of the game lends itself to you really being as invested in the characters as you kind of want to be it definitely makes it how to put this it makes it really rewarding at the end even despite all of the like gameplay and graphics flaws you feel very personally connected to your crew and your romance option if you do that um
0: yeah it's
1: it gets it, it gets it right here man.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is which is I'm glad you brought it up cuz it's something that um uh Casey Hudson the creative director for the game talks about a lot in interviews is that he wants people playing the game to have an emotional investment. And not to give excuses but I think that that's probably where a lot of the investment for game design and stuff like that went into rather than the actual like shooting and running around aspect for it. I think a lot of it went into developing these characters and developing this world and making sure that you as a player felt invested in all of it.
1: Absolutely. And I think it really shows because when, you know, when you talk about other video games, you talk about like the action scenes and the like big boss fights and things like that. But whenever you get a group of people together and you start talking about Mass Effect, you're talking about the story and the choices that you made and the different characters and the different arcs that you can take. And I think that's really, that's really a powerful thing.
0: You're talking about who in your crew you liked the most, who you Mm -hmm. wanted to romance the most, Mm -hmm. uh, what planets you liked visiting, which were your favorite missions because of the storyline and stuff like that. Yeah. It's such a unique thing in that aspect that, because even in other RPGs, you're still discussing your favorite missions and battles and, like, the fights that were really, really good and stuff like that. So I think it does kind of fit into a unique place even in the RPG world in that sense, which are more story-driven, typically. Absolutely. Uh, Another thing, just to clarify for our audience, is uh, just so they know that we're not going to be splitting too much in terms of our character description. Brendan, are you a renegade or a (laughs) paragon?
1: (laughs) Um, It's physically impossible for me to play as a Renegade in uh, <laughs> Mass Effect, it's just impossible. Um, for anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about, in Mass Effect, you're given basically at least three options whenever you're in like a dialogue kind of moments in the game. Um, there's generally a choice that's like very upstanding, very like hero um, quali- qualities. Um, there's kind of like a middle of the road that is kind of neutral. And then there's like options that are like, I'm a badass and I'm here to kick your butt. Uh, and and I cannot bring myself to choose those options. I just can't.
0: <laughs> there's a point in the game, just to, just to bring up an example of this, in which that you're talking to a reporter and you're given the <laughs> option to give various answers. And at a certain point with the renegade options, you just punch this woman in the face. <laughs> <laughs> to which i'm not condoning violence against women or anything like that but it just goes to show just like yeah it's literally one extreme to the next
1: <laughs> absolutely because the alternate is to just give like this like upstanding like spacerly like hero like interview with her right
0: yeah 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 it's pretty well it's it's it does lead you down an interesting path because it does kind of take you into an area where it's like you can reveal a little bit too much depending on what you say and then mm. you get called by, and you get called by one of the, the Admiral, um, oh my God, I'm blanking out his name, but the, the, he's, he's the guy that always calls you on missions and says, it's like, Hey, I need you to go to the Lunar base. So I need you to go do this and da, 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 da. Admiral Kohoku? That's a dude from a different side mission. Oh, there's that's so a, a, That's the guy that, <laughs> that introduces you to Cerberus. Right. Well, there's so many characters. There's so They're many. really. That's the thing too. is just like, sorry if we screw people up on this, but there are so many characters in this game, so many. and this is still just game one. Mm. This is just introducing things. But I do think though that, like, since we're still talking about the Paragon Renegade options here, mm-hmm. is that I do think that that um, sort of lends into what the gameplay of the game really is about. Because it is in these conversations, it mm-hmm. is in the dialogue, it is how you choose to talk to people. Because depending on how you talk to people can lend you into way more missions, way more options. Like if you don't go, if you don't run around your ship and talk to your crew, you don't get those. My per one of my personal favorites, that amazing side mission with Rex, the Krogan mm-hmm. where you get to go and search for his, um, like his his, fa- his family armor and go learn to, and go recover that and learn about Krogan history and Krogan culture and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm, right. His loyalty mission. Yeah. Is to go get that stuff. And yeah. And you wouldn't get that if you weren't seeking out those like conversations and those moments with your crewmates.
0: Yeah. But then he also actually gets to put the armor on and it's just like, you no, know, no. To put it basically, his armor fucks like it just—it's really good when you throw it on, just like, and you just watch him just barrel through battles at that point, and you're just like, oh, okay, cool. So like, bonus one cool mission: learn more about one of my crewmates, and also, I got something that's gonna actually help me out game wise. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, which
0: in this game, beefing your 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 crew members up is is a great option because again. The, the gameplay is not great <laughs> the, the, i'm sorry i should clarify actually the combat gameplay leaves a little bit to be desired leaves a little bit to be desired it yeah. definitely smooths out um and gets way better in the later games it does it really really does um but we're not talking about those games we're still talking about <laughs> right of course this game right now
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but yeah uh just, just to talk a little bit more about the paragon aspect i'm, I'm on the same page as brendan I just I've done I I have done a renegade uh, playthrough of Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two. Um, they both hurt my soul deeply because I didn't like being mean to my crew members or making those terrible terrible choices that the game makes you make. It's just it's so rough. Some of it's right? so rough.
1: Yeah, I, I, it affects you. It really does. Like it 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 gets you right. Here, like there's
0: no mm-hmm. other way to put it. It's true. It's true. Uh but that's but but that lends into how well the game is made in terms of like having you explore your ship and talk to your crew members and stuff like that. Which leads me into the next thing I really, really wanted to talk about here, which is the Normandy itself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know Mass Effect, um Normandy is your ship. You are Commander Shepard, Captain of the Normandy. Um, and one, it's one of my favorite ship designs. I'm um, sorry for anybody who's listening to this on audio, but I do actually have a gorgeous model of this beautiful ship.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> it's such, <laughs> it's such, first of all, it's, I just, I, I do love the design of it. You could see like the practicality of it, but also it's just, it's a gorgeous looking ship. But also, despite the fact that this game doesn't have like a real, st- it does have a space exploration aspect to it, but you're never like flying the ship around. Like you're not like in the cockpit flying or flying it around and whatnot. Um, but you still feel like you're in command of the vessel. You still feel like you are the captain of the ship. And there's something that's always been fascinating to me about how they managed to do that without making it a core mechanic of the gameplay.
1: Yeah. Um, they kind of strip it down and just make it like very basic almost because, you do get the choice to like fly around to like different like galaxies and you can go back to the Citadel, which is like the main kind of hub uh, for the game. But you're not, you're not actually piloting, Um, which is nice. I think it's, I think it's nice to have that like simplification to a degree.
0: Yeah. Plus I really wouldn't want to pilot that ship considering we have, the best pilot in the goddamn galaxy. Best best Joker behind the wheel. <laughs> he's If we're gonna start talking about characters, let's start with one of my favorites of all time. I was
1: gonna say he's definitely my favorite character. He's uh oh, I love Joker. I just yeah. want the best for Joker. I know. So so to <laughs>
0: clarify, Joker is the pilot of the Normandy. He has um he has a condition known as I think it's Vrollic it... syndrome. Yeah,
1: Vrollix, that's right.
0: Yeah, which is a real of of this time condition that people have, where essentially, he moves the wrong way or does something in just the exact wrong manner. Um, his bones, his his bones will just break completely, shatter. Mm-hmm. So, and that is the captain of your ship, and he is literally the best in the galaxy.
1: <laughs> he's a total badass.
0: He's he's one of those. But he's guys. such a badass in his own right. Yeah, you know and what I mean? Like, like he's, he's a different badass it. than like Rexes or than Garrus is. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, Garrison Rex being two of the alien compatriots that you can have aboard the Normandy, um, have them join your crew. Uh, N- Joker is a human, um, but he's 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 a total badass because he's earned it in like a different way than those like warrior kind of t- type guys. He's just a
0: badass pilot, and like, mm-hmm.
1: that's his whole shtick.
0: Um, he's great. I love Joker, <laughs> I know the conversations with Joker like post missions, so essentially. The way you play Mass Effect, if, if if you understand how to play it, is that you do, you finish up a mission and then you just run around your ship and talk to your crew, basically, and then bounce back and forth between the Citadel and whatnot to make sure you didn't miss anything there. But um, basic RPG stuff is just like do a mission, go back and explore stuff. Um, but essentially, after each mission, you could go talk to Joker and he kind of gives you like a little quip or like a synopsis of what happened <laughs> down on the mission. Mm-hmm. And that's some of my favorite stuff because it's still again it makes it feel real feels like even though when you break it down he's a he's he's a bunch of ones and zeros put into code on uh, into a game and then seth green came in and just did a bunch of voice work for it and there he doesn't have a lot of impact as far as the actual game goes he still feels like he's a part of the story and a part of the missions Mm -hmm. and what's so interesting that you bring up is that like
1: You do go talk to him. Yes, because like we're those kinds of players, but you don't have to go talk to him. You could completely miss all of the conversations with Joker or with any of your crew for that matter and complete and complete the game and have a grand old time doing it as well. But like all of this extra stuff is just like extra copy that, you know, the writers had to like put in there for people to find. And I think that's so great.
0: Yeah. And it makes the game way more worth it to me. Absolutely. To explore all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, something I wanted to bring up slightly real quickly here is, is the feeling of the ship itself. Do you know what I mean? Of just like, the way it's actually laid out, it feels very functional. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know, it's just like there's there's the main cockpit up front, there's your galaxy map, you have the cafeteria down below with the crew decks, and then you have the engineering portion of it with uh, the, the the loading dock. I just I love the layout of it. It just it feels very clean and very smooth. It feels intentional, like efficient and intentional yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. i hate sitting in the damn elevator to go down to oh the next part oh my gosh the worst that part but, is awful the loading screens in this are <laughs> f- almost <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was gonna say in the citadel those elevators those are hands down the worst but at least
0: but at least in this okay so so again the citadel is the main hub that you can kind of go back to we're just like sort of all the different alien civilizations can kind of coalesce and come together and whatnot and have shops and areas and embassies Um, but at least on those elevator rides you have your crew who can talk and that's also where you could pick up other side missions too
1: that's true that is true at least there's like some something in the elevators to keep it like entertaining
0: (laughs) it's true so let's get into uh, a bit more of the gameplay stuff what class are you brendan So um, I always pick Vanguard
1: because having access to like special powers or abilities is totally my zhuzh. I I like that it's sort of like a middle middle of the road as far as like combat goes. Um, So that's I always run Vanguard. Um, How about you? What do you what do you roll with?
0: Well, once again like our paragon discussion, this is a very diverse <laughs> podcast. I'm also a vanguard through and through. There's some there is something you said it yourself that there's something to the balance of like, all right, I've got some some weapon upgrade options and I've also got a lot of biotic options. Biotics by the way being essentially like the force powers of the game. It is like your <laughs> magic ability for the game.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I always gravitate towards like spellcasters or, you know, characters with, like, extra, like, special powers whenever I play, like, RPGs, um, so Bionics was absolutely, um, enticing to me, but so much of the game relies on actual, like, like, fights, like, um, like, firepower and in combat, that if you go just, like, full biotic, it's not good for you.
0: I've tried running full Soldier, and I've tried running full Adept, which I think is the full biotic option in the Mm -hmm. game. And it's just, it's just. There's no balance to it. There's just. I'm sure later on when it gets easier and just like, um, the 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 like the shooting part of it is just a mechanic in the game and it's not something you have to worry about as far as like upgrades and stuff go. I'm sure it's fine. But in game one, I personally feel like you need that balance. Otherwise, it's the game is not going to be fun to play.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, For anybody listening that maybe doesn't know, in Mass Effect, there's kind of like three schools of uh, combat abilities. There's Um, just straight like soldier abilities so like using guns and things like that Um, there's technical abilities which is like hacking into robots and um, you know deploying mines and things like that and then there's the biotic abilities that we've been discussing Um, and at the beginning of the game you get to pick one of six classes which can be just full tilt in one of the schools or a mix between two of them so vanguard for um you know the class that we chose that would be a mix between soldier abilities and biotic abilities so what's cool is that the game gives you that right at the beginning and you get to tailor your kind of experience to the way that you kind of like to play and you may have to you know, spend some time figuring it out at the beginning, like, oh, do I like these? Do I like tech powers or like biotics? You know, but once you figure it out, you can just roll with that and then you're set for the whole game. And then the two subsequent game titles after the first one.
0: Yeah, I can't remember who it was specifically who did it. But when the game first came out, um, Rooster Teeth uh, did a review for Mass Effect and they said, that it's a very frustrating game the first time through, but on your second playthrough <laughs> is when you really get to have fun with it because now you understand how the game works.
1: hmm Absolutely. Um, something else that you get to tailor at the beginning of the game is, like, your character's background. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, Jordan?
0: Absolutely. So My Shepherd was a colony kid from Midwar. His colony was attacked by slavers, and he was the only survivor as far as he knew. Um, he was only saved by a passing lion ship, which is essentially the human military for the galaxy. He's the hero of the Scyllian Blitz, which was an attack on the on the colony of Elysium by a coalition of slavers, crime syndicates, and Batarian warlords, in which that my particular shepherd got the locals of the colony to band together and fight together, and he was able to help fight off the worst of the attacks. With all of these civilians, and also by himself in order to get the rest of them out of there. And uh, essentially, by the time rescue came, he had already done a lot to help save everybody. That is my Commander Shepard.
1: Very cool. Very cool. My Commander Shepard has... A... Sorry, real
0: quick. Hey, uh, Brendan, uh... <laughs> who's your Commander Shepard? <laughs> um,
1: well, thank you. Great question. Uh, thank you for asking. Um. <laughs> um he... His background that I picked is that he grew up in the military with his parents. It's the spacer background. So his parents were in the military and kind of moved from posting to posting while he was growing up. And then he enlisted at the age of 18. And for his psychological profile, I picked the sole survivor, which is the background where he survives this um, attack on his um, alliance-like troop. He's like the only one that survives this thresher maw attack. And for those listening, the Thresher Maws are these big alien worm creatures that fuck your day up
0: when you come
1: across them.
0: The Thresher Maws will (laughs) truly screw up all of your plans. (laughs) Yeah. Which does, this is supposed to be the more positive take, but it does lend to one of the (laughs) other issues of something that shouldn't be part of a gameplay, but is, save frequently, because sometimes you'll be in the middle of a mission and a treacherous mob will just pop up and fuck your day up. <laughs> and then you and you, did, and you haven't saved for like 3 hours and you're just <laughs> screwed.
1: I feel like everybody playing Mass Effect 1 does that and makes that mistake like one time and then never again.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you're me, you do it for years. Even to this day the game came out like 15 years ago and I'm still finding myself going When was the last time I saved?
1: (laughs) It's that moment of dread when it's like game over on the screen and you're just sitting there with your controller like you dead in the eyes
0: because, you know, when you hit load, you're going back like two planets. Small story, though, uh, you know about this because I've told you about this is that sometimes the 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 frequent saving can screw you up because the first time I played Mass Effect, I learned this lesson very early um, and I was on. Uh, the mission for what's the, like the ice planets. That's the, where you go to find, uh, um, Benezia. uh,
1: Vermeer,
0: Vermeer. Yes. Yes. No, yes, no, ver- very no, no,
1: varia. no, varia. no, no,
0: Thank you. Yes. No, varia. sorry. <laughs> um, and it's the, there's a whole section of there where you're essentially in your Mako, which is a garbage vehicle driving along this mountainside, like this cliffside, essentially while snow is falling and geth and stuff are attacking you. Um, I got essentially hit by a rocket that sent my Mako flying off the side of the mountain and I thought oh let's just quick save here real quick. Hopefully it'll load me before that moment happens and then every time I loaded oh. it was just my Mako flying off the side and I just saw this reload of just me dying over and over and over again and I had saved it over my like the autosave, so I had nothing and I had to start completely over again. Oh no, that breaks my heart. Oh. Yeah, so save frequently, but be careful when you save. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, because Novaria is not like not like an early part of the game. No, I was like at least ten hours deep at that uh. point. Uh. I know, and I had to start over. Which was fine. I didn't know what I was doing on that first playthrough, so
1: why don't you go ahead and tell uh.
0: tell the listeners
1: about that? Since we're already talking about uh Novaria
0: well that's perfect because yeah because we were about to get into some of our favorite stuff so Novaria is one of the uh, main quest missions that you could have in the game um it is where you're going to find a character known as the matriarch benezia who is the mother of one of your crew members liara Tassoni, who is one of my personal favorite characters i love liara so much, so much. she's got throughout all three of the games she's got such a cool arc such a fun, wonderful arc because you, you, you literally find her in a bubble, trapped like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just like you, and she's just sort of like, even though she's like, eight hundred years old or something like that, which is young for <laughs> for that, that race. race of
1: um alien. The Asari, the Asari, uh, the, Asari.
0: Mm-hmm. the, the Asari. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's pretty young for them, apparently. Um, but you kind of get to wa- throughout the, th- the the main three games, you kind of get to watch her grow up into this very smart, but ultimate kind of galactic badass. Liara <laughs> Tassoni,
1: intergalactic badass.
0: I mean, it's true. <laughs> like, we can't get into entirely what happens if we want to keep... No, I know. If we want to go later games. Of course, but... <laughs> but, like, yeah. Like, she just kind of becomes this crazy smart scientist who have been studying this ancient race called the Proteans for decades upon decades. But also well, fuck your day up with Biotics.
1: <laughs> She's definitely one of my favorite characters um, as well. Just like yeah. you said, the whole arc is great. Um, and Novaria is one of uh, the cooler, um, the cooler missions in my opinion too, because you get
0: the whole- <laughs> Cooler. Because ah, it's, not...
1: it's icy. Ah...
0: <laughs> I'll be over. Edit it. that out. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Damn, that's cold. <laughs>
1: wow. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, Novaria is one of. Oh,
0: didn't even mean for that to be a joke. You didn't even
1: get it? I didn't. Now, I didn't. Now we have to edit the <laughs> we, sound. We, we,
0: we can't let the people think that that's how we be. It's true. <laughs> While we're discussing characters, we haven't even talked about our main antagonist at all. Oh. So we should talk about him for a a little bit. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh go right ahead. So so while the over So while the for, for the trilogy of the game, the over the, the main thing is stopping the Reapers from destroying essentially the galaxy. It gets a bit more complicated than that, but, but that's the basic idea of it. But in Mass Effect 1, your main goal is to stop this character named Saren, who is a Say it for me, Brendan. <laughs> He's a Turian. Spectre. I remember oh, what it is. Spectre.
1: I thought you were going for the alien race. Wow.
0: No, I remember Turian. Couldn't remember Spectre for some reason. Tell the people what a Spectre is. A Spectre is essentially the 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 galactic version of a 007. He can the, uh, a Spectre can go anywhere. They could do anything um, with, with impunity. Um, they 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 have the council, which is essentially. The main government of the entire galaxy as they know it, that they have their authority to go about any mission, however, they see fits. Which is where I, again, the main renegade Paragon option comes into play because then it's like, well, I can do anything. So then I can just walk in and shoot everybody in the face. They can't do anything about that because I'm a specter or you could still choose to go about it the proper way. But then the main point of the game is that this character Saren, who is a who who is a specter, a very well respected specter, but also very feared as well, because he is definitely, if you if you wanted the in game option of it, he is definitely the renegade of specters in the game. Um, he has aligned himself with these inorganic creatures called the Geth, um, who are serving at the behest of the Reapers, and he has aligned himself in sort of to try to. Get on good terms with the Reapers before they invade, and he has now become their main tool in order to help their invasion happen. The thing that I find interesting about Saren, though, is that as you, he's he's being corrupted by uh by the the Reapers um, and by the Geth and whatnot. Um, but the more you learn about him, even before all that, he was not like a cool dude. <laughs> to put it in basic terms, right. you learn from a mission from uh, one of the characters is that. He had the option to save a bunch of people at one point during a mission, and he chose to just to kill them all because that was just easier for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was not a he was not a benevolent
0: guy. <laughs> no, not even like a little bit. Not even a little bit. So you have no qualms
1: about chasing him all over the universe to stop him.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's not. It's not a difficult choice to go and fuck this guy up. Like you're just like, yeah, cool. He's a bad dude. Yeah. So then. Uh, Jordan, would you like to talk about,
1: um, we've already kind of talked about a couple planets, but like, would you like to talk about maybe some specific main quest missions or even side quest missions that, um, were your favorites?
0: Um, yes, I would personally love to talk about some, um, one in particular side quest mission that is, well, this is good too, because it also lends into the different backgrounds that you could pick for your Shepard and how that also lends into the story for the game. Mm -hmm. So based on some of the backgrounds you could pick, um, it opens up different story options that can happen for you in the game. My personal favorite, based on being a colony kid from Midwar, is the Slave Girl mission with Talitha. So, at one point in the game, you land back on the Citadel. And this is after, I don't know how much time in the game, but after a while, you land back on the Citadel. And you walk You, know, you walk in, and as soon as you go down the elevator, you get a call from one of the CSEC, or basically a security officer, to come back up to the loading dock. Because there's an issue with, 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 the, with a young woman who was distraught and having issues. And you go back up and you find out that she is a recently rescued um, sex slave. And they're trying to get her to calm down and come back with them. But she has gotten a hold of a gun and is freaking out. And the whole part of this game is just your Commander Shepard getting her comfortable enough to get close enough to her to either give her the sedative or hand it to herself so she can take it. Mm -hmm. And you just get these little, and it's just this, this dialogue ensues. And first of all, this voice actress who plays this young girl is absolutely incredible, but you just get, but, um, you just get this stuff with just like, where you get the brutality of what happened to her. And it's just, it's so, it's just, it goes back to what I talked about before with what Casey Hudson was saying about the emotional investment. I just, I played this game when it first came out, I don't even know how many years ago, over 10 years ago at this point now, um, I've done this mission a dozen times talking about this mission still gets me kind of emotional because it's just the way it's done There, there's a particular line I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes but um she said the character says because she talks she's so broken she talks all in third person so it's all she does this she says that she does this and she's talking about her experiences and she says um when she thinks about her parents she cries and then the masters beat her because she's wasting water what yeah, it's really and, and to me, it, it it's the mission that kind of gets to the core of Mass Effect for me because it is so emotional and it is so brutal. And especially because your Shepard, you find out that your Shepard, that that she came from Midwar during that attack as well, mm. that your Shepard survived in. Mm. Um, but she got taken by the slavers. And so learning that you were almost one of those people is how you connect with her. And you say, listen, I assent- essentially, it's a discussion about understanding PTSD mm. and knowing that, listen, we're both fucked up. You just didn't get the same help that I did. You know, I joined the alliance. Um, I got to get out of that stuff. I got to essentially break through it and have help. You didn't have that. So you're just and just i i I can't even relate to how broken you've become now but we want to help you and we're here to help you and to me that was my commander shepherd was just like i will try to help you no matter what and that doesn't mean the cost of life it doesn't mean the cost of the galaxy it doesn't mean the cost of your crew it means i i i will sit here and just listen to you talk for two hours if i have to if that means that i'm gonna help save a life tonight Sorry. Apparently, that mission still gets me. <laughs> <Wow>. Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, if anybody at
1: home thinks that video games are not art, uh, we are here to tell you
0: otherwise. <laughs> the emotional connection that I get from this mission—it still screws my day up, man. But in the best way possible, mm-hmm. I love that mission. It's one of my favorites. But yeah, man. So, if you want to get that specifically, you gotta do. You at the very least have to do. You have to pick the origin of the uh, Colony Kid, mm-hmm. um, essentially.
1: Right. So, um, just to tie that in, for each of the different um, backgrounds and psychological profiles that you can pick for your Commander Shepherd, there is a special mission attached to each of them that you get access to. So, for example, I've never played that mission. I have, I had no no awareness of that that mission until you just told me about it right now. Actually, so that's like, whew, that's heavy. Um, But there's a similar sort of theme in the mission that my background, my psychological soul survivor background gets. And it's, um, you go to this, you know, one of the billions of side planets that are filled with, you know, different things. Um, You go to one of them and there's this, um, there's this guy that's holding down this um, like fort and he's kind of like a little like messed up because of things that happened to him. And you find out that he also survived the Thresher Maw attack that you believe that you were the only sole survivor of, that the whole universe thinks you were the only sole survivor of. And he got picked up by Cerberus, which is um, one of the organization that features more prominently in games two and three. Um, but he got picked up by them and like experimented on them. And he's a little like snapped in the head. Um, And and it's a similar sort of thing. You as Commander Shepard can go in there and de-escalate the situation and make a difference for somebody, like a very real difference.
0: Yeah. I've done that mission too, and I love both those missions for the clarity of just kind of like, it's not about running in guns blazing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is just about going in and understanding just like how screwed up somebody is because of what's happened to them. The game really takes, looking back on it, it just, it, Really, just hit me. The game takes trauma very seriously, in terms of its plot and its storyline goes. It doesn't discredit that, which I really, really appreciate, because those are some pretty big issues for something that a lot of people don't consider to be high art. To, for something for, to take us seriously as it does, like that's that's a really big thing for me with, with, um, within a game like this. And it covers all the spectrums. Like you got the two extreme examples of like you're like for yours. It was a soldier dealing with. PTSD and experimentation and just like essentially being left behind Mm -hmm. and then on mine is this young girl who was um sexually and emotionally and physically abused because she got because she was a slave and it's just both don't take either one more serious than the other one in terms of how you deal with them in the game like does that make sense Mm -hmm. like emotionally like they're they're both treated like on kind of the same level Uh which I really really appreciate Mm -hmm.
1: Well, well, wow, well, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, that's a good turn. <laughs> it did. Hey, it that's did. Okay. It's
0: still it, to, to me. It still proves the point of the game, though, that it's like, you know, me personally, I've been playing this game s- literally since it came out, like at least once a year. I do a full playthrough of the trilogy and it's still and it could still hit me. It could still hit me hard like that.
1: Well, let's turn it back around and talk yeah. some more about our favorite, uh, like, positive things about the game.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, then I was going to say that's something that I really, really like about the game. I can only speak a little bit of it because the way that I'm going to play through the trilogy on this run. Um, but an option that the game also lends you is romancing your crew members. <laughs> Brendan, who might you be planning to romance? Okay, in the game? Okay, so
1: listen. My first run of this game, I romanced Liara because... I mean, it's Liara. Um, she cute as fuck. She cute as fuck. And also, and also, I I didn't know this, but um, in game one, if you're playing a male shepherd, you can't romance any of the gentlemen in your crew.
0: Um, it is a flaw in the game that there is, is not a lot of,
1: yeah. Yeah, we don't forgive The representation that, is not great. <laughs> in game one. Now you
0: can yes.
1: romance one gentleman in game three, but you have to not do anything in games one and two. So I'm playing the long game, and
0: I'm <laughs> oh you are okay. Yeah. I was I was wondering because yeah. I knew that I was wondering if that was your plan. Yeah, so so long game plan. So you're gonna go through two so games. I'm gonna anybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're just swatting the pussy off, just like nope. I'm saving myself for one man.
1: Something that has never been said about me.
0: <laughs> but oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I am also playing a bit of a long game. I'm going to wait until game two and then I'm going to start romancing Tally. Oh. We love Tally. So, Tally, Zora, Naraya at this point is a Quarian. They're sort of space nomads. There we go. Perfect. They really don't have a home because this is the race that invented the Geth which were essentially originally created just to be robots that kind of served the Quarians. But because they also developed AI with them, they eventually developed their own conscience. And there was a war between the Quarian and the Geth. And the Quarians were essentially driven off of their home planets. So now they just sort of... So now they um, they they do have a home base, which is I can't remember what it's called, but they do have um, oh the flotilla, Flotilla, yeah, uh, the flotilla, which is like their giant ship where they can come and dock and share resources and all that stuff. But for the most part, their mission as Koreans is to go throughout the galaxy, different planets, different cultures and whatnot, and bring back resources to help uh, the Korean people, which is what is called their pilgrimage. And it is why Tally joins the crew of the Normandy in order to help her along her pilgrimage. She's also the one that brings forth the evidence that Saren is a bad guy, which also lends for why she initially joined your crew as Commander Shepard. And she's just the first time you talk to her when she's on the Normandy. The first thing she says is she's down in the engine room um, with Admiral Adams, I think is the guy's name. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that, too, is if if you go talk to him, he's just like this Corian's just been chilling out, messing around with the engine room, and you're like, oh, do you want me to tell her to leave? And he's like, what? No, she's great. (laughs) Just like, she's already made, like, 12 improvements on the engine system. Why would you tell her to leave? What's wrong with you? And and you go talk to her, and and she's just like, your ship is so cool. And you're like, oh, you're so adorable.
1: Yeah, but that's part of the Corian's whole thing, is that um, because they're driven off their home world, they all live on different ships that compose the flotilla. So all of them have, like, really deep understanding of spacefaring. So yeah. for Tali to find herself on the the fastest, coolest, newest, shiniest ship in the alliance is like a big deal for her.
0: Mhm. She can learn a lot from it mm-hmm. and yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and just also to clarify the 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 Vos Naraya that is the ship that they are that that is their home. So it's essentially saying uh, it's her um, home. Talizora yeah. of the Nariah right. ship, because that becomes a thing later on.
1: We've kind of talked about a lot of different missions. Um, I wanted to talk about the main quest on Pharos, which is.
0: <laughs> that is such a fascinating I love mission. Love
1: that mission so much. Um, Pharos is this planet where uh, you go. And you're checking out this colony of humans that have been living there for a while. And you're trying to, you know, just kind of check in on them. And there's geth there. So you're fighting them. And um, you you find out that there's actually this, like, uh, organic life form that's living there that's starting to, like, mind control the inhabitants of the colony. And they're starting to go a little Stepford Wife on you. And it's really cool to see kind of the, like, slow breakdown from the colonists and and figure out what's going on and then fighting the um uh, the alien life form which is called the thorian um fighting it and and learning about how it got there and like what its whole deal is and how it could learn it uh learn to control people through like spores because it's kind of like a plant thing is a really cool mission um And also, you could just save a a whole human colony. I mean, what could be better?
0: And it also introduces you to the idea of indoctrination, which is a huge thing. Mm, Yes. In all three of the original Mass Effect games. Because you learn later on that that is essentially what's happening to Saren. He's being indoctrinated by... The Reaper. um, Yeah, one of the Reapers who comes in early. It's... uh, uh, Sovereign. uh, uh, Oh, God. Sovereign, thank (laughs) you. I was like, Harbinger, that's game two. (laughs) But yeah, essentially, you find out that just like there is this thing called indoctrination, that, in which that um, people are being influenced. In this case, by the Thorian, but in Saren's case, he's being heavily influenced by Sovereign. Um, same thing with Matriarch uh, Benezia. Uh, Benezia, Um and that there, and the and the reason why you go to and the reason why you, uh, you 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 go there initially is because you find out that Saren is trying to use the Thorian, right?
1: Yeah, he was trying to like um, study it. Um and figure out how it. No, it was trying to get information from it. It got the um, oh crap, um, it got like part of the um, like the understanding of the Prothean uh mind, and yes, it gets it yes. from the Thorian because the Thorian has lived for like you find out for like millennia or something like that. So yeah. it has the knowledge of the Prothean race who's now extinct um and that's a major component because you also get yeah. that information which helps you understand a message that you received from this prothean artifact at the beginning of the game uh, play the game is what we're saying play the game we <laughs> blog-
0: through so much of the story yeah. honestly you really see to play, play the, the game, game. <laughs> just play the game it's have just... we not sold you on it yet <laughs> <How>? come on <laughs> how have we not <laughs> um giant giant plants that control people's brains. <laughs> like what else do you want? This game has everything. <laughs> so let's talk about the end of the game.
1: Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um I feel like we agree on this part too. Um as far as the like two major choices that you make at the end of the game.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I would say, well, here's the thing and I and I'm wondering if you know this, like there's kind of three in a way. So, before so so there's a moment in which that so uh, 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 essentially the uh, the uh, Reaper Sovereign has invaded the Citadel, mm-hmm. and uh, Saren is there and he's closing and he's closing up the Citadel to keep everyone trapped inside so Sovereign can kind of fuck everyone's day up essentially it's way, it's a bit more complicated than that <laughs> but that's the basic crux of it, um, and you show up while Saren is doing everything, and you can actually talk him into shooting himself in the head. <laughs>
1: Okay. Okay, you're wrapping. So uh, that way
0: you could regain access to everything, but you could also just fight him yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I see what you're saying. You now that's interesting. You only get that option if you have earned enough Paragon points throughout the game, and it's a lot. It is a lot of Paragon points that you need yeah, to be able yeah, yeah, to yeah. have that dialogue option. Uh, to have him, yeah, take himself out. Um, realize that he's being indoctrinated and that this isn't right and that he's being controlled by the Reapers um, and have him take himself
0: out, um, which does skip a whole round of that final fight with Saren. um, Then after that moment, you have the option to send in the Alliance military to either save the Council or bypass the Council and go after the Reaper Sovereign.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I just the smart move is save the council. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm I am completely of
1: the same um same mind. Um yeah. it just sounds like the better option because the way that the game parses it out is it's like, hey, you can save the council, which for people listening at home, the council is composed of three um three representatives that represent three of the different um, alien races and humans are not represented on the council. It's just the Salarians, the Asari and the Turians. Those are the only three races represented on the council of the Citadel. So the way that the game like hands it to you is like, Hey, you can save the council, which will be really great for relations with other species. But the human, the whole like human race might totally question you. Um, and, like, I think that's a really crappy way of putting that, because it's like, it's the council. Like,
0: ugh. Yeah. Well, well, something else, too, that is built into the game, too, is that it was, and to go back to the, the amazing man that is uh, Casey Hudson, the creative director of the game, is that he has said from the beginning, the plan was for a trilogy. And throughout the game, if you notice during, like, some loading screens, it says, this, it says be sure to save your game, because choices that happen in Mass Effect 1 will affect you in Mass Effect 2. So, That was always in the back of my head with a lot of my choices, particularly that one about saving the council. Because then I'm like, okay, then in two, I'm the guy that killed the council. Yeah. Like, who's going to want to fucking work with that guy? Yep. I found out, too, if you do
1: appoint, um, like, so after, like, if you do choose to not save the council, then, like, a human council gets instated. But then in Mass Effect 2. But then in Mass Effect 2, they like say, Nope, we're back to an alien council. So your choice gets kind of retconned anyway.
0: And then is it just like three different aliens then? I yeah. I think oh, so. okay. I don't know. I've never done it. I've
1: never done it. <laughs>
0: that will be something we need to explore in the future, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. We'll see what happens then. Mm-hmm.
1: So then that brings us to the, like, absolute, like, kind of last major choice that you have in the game, which is um, appointing one of the two human leaders that you've been working with throughout the game, Ambassador Udina or um, ooh, Captain Anderson. Captain Anderson. Captain Anderson.
0: Another one of my favorite non-playable uh, characters in the game. Mm-hmm. I love Captain Anderson so much. Yeah. Not only because he, he he's voiced by Keith David, who has the coolest voice on the planet. <laughs> But just he's a he's a great character. He was um, so. Quick backstory for Captain Anderson. He was the first. He w- he was the very first choice to possibly become the first human inspector. But then because Saren fucked him over, uh, that got taken away from him. Which right. is why now Commander Shepard is the first human shepherd uh, the first human inspector. The first human shepherd. The first human shepherd. <laughs> the <laughs> very first of all the human shepherds. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the this choice comes down to do you appoint Udina or Captain Anderson?
1: Anderson, uh, to...
0: 100%. Always Anderson. Anderson. Who, who who, who, picks Udina? <laughs>
1: you have to, like, deck Udina. Or Anderson has to deck Udina for you to get off the Citadel going into some of the final missions.
0: Udina does nothing but screw you over at every point that he could possibly try Total to dig so back. Why, Total dick why dig would back. you ever... Yeah. I don't know anybody... who's a Mass Effect fan who has ever picked Udina for that part. Yeah. No. The choice is clear. Yeah. The choice is clear. It's Anderson. He has a spine. (laughs) He's he's trying to be a good person. And also not a fucking douchebag politician. Which is hard to (laughs) be. It's true. It's true. But yeah. So uh, uh, essentially you pick Captain Anderson and the game ends on a at least if you go to the Paragon Road and you say the Council and appoint Captain Anderson, ends on a mostly high note, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, like, you know, saving as many people as you can, the Council recognizing what you've done for the galaxy, but then your Shepherd does walk away going, we're not done yet, because the Reapers are still coming.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Which does set up an interesting precedent for just kind of being like, oh, no, 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 this isn't done. We've got way more to do. Like I said, just from one Reaper, there's an entire fleet of them showing up, which is again, I think that even after, even after the final battle and after everything, you do have one last fight with Saren because um, full indoctrination has occurred on him through Sovereign, and he and a Sovereign attacks you through Saren one last time. You have one last battle with him, um, which then allows uh, the the uh, the rest of the ships fighting, trying to fight Sovereign to take him out finally. Um, but it's just it's still the last gameplay mechanic in the game to me is still a choice it's still picking who's going to be the human on the council and I love that That again it's the crux of the game it's choices it's choices. Um, it choices based on emotion by logic and everything else it's like it's still the. I, I just I love that that's the final thing that happens in that game it's like what is your last choice as Shepard in this game to move forward and in, into in the next game and it does affect what happens later on
1: mm-hmm. everything even cool. little things in Mass Effect 1 have big ramifications in Mass Effect 2 and then subsequently 3.
0: Thank you for those of you who have been listening to us so far. Brendan, can you take us away? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So, hey everybody. If you liked what you saw tonight, follow us, like
0: us, subscribe thank you guys so much for listening if you stuck with us this long thank you for dealing with our rambling about how much we love this damn game we'll get Um, better we promise (laughs) we will get better however though the theme is probably going to be the same it's just going to be us just verb having verbal diarrhea about how much we love video games particularly and and so and particularly with mass effect it's just it's i could talk i could keep talking about this about this one game we got two more games in this trilogy to talk about and I could probably still talk about stuff from just this one game for another three hours. However, no one wants to hear that from <laughs> me or you. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> so, so as gracefully as we can, we'll be ending. We'll, we'll we'll dismount now, and again, just say thank you so much if you stuck with us as long. And Brendan, thank you again for going on this journey with me. I really Jordan, appreciate it. thank you for being my
1: co-host, my co-pilot, my I mean, all of those things. Like, we're gonna have a grand old time. We're gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to everything that this show is going to be. Oh
0: my god, for this episode, you were the Joker to my Commander Shepard.
1: <gasps>
0: oh! <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: on that lovely note,
1: <laughs> let's say goodbye, Jordan.
0: Alright. <laughs> Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.